Okay. I'll start to access some of your questions. Naturally enough, perhaps, there's a number of questions concerning other people. <laughs> mm. It's a big effect, isn't it? Other people, particularly someone you're with a lot of the time. There's a sort of that, that mirroring, that acquisition effect with chitta you know picks up and starts to sensitize and bonds which it does with cars it does with animals it most profoundly it does with other people and that sense in which the other person becomes sort of internalized at least the jitter's reflection of the other person becomes internalized the jitter's representation becomes internalized. Not necessarily as a picture, but as an emotional pattern, familiarity, um, happiness, um, uncertainty. So you get a kind of an emotional pattern of other people. And that helps you to feel belonging, connected. But just to bear in mind that that pattern we have that occurs for us naturally isn't actually the other person <laughs> and thereby certain uh, dissonances can occur in general so there's questions about tendency for people to over rely on others can we excessively depend on others to our detriment or what do you do if others excessively depend on us? Good question. Well, if we understand the human being and uh, human configuration, you probably acknowledge that when we're very small, that codependency is non-negotiable. It's built in. And you have something called attachment, which is healthy. That is the other person, the little one, isn't actually separate yet. Uh, just because they look separate from the outside, the chitta and the energy system is not separate yet. It hasn't found its own orientation. So it needs that sense of something that is steady, comforting and always there, you know, as a sort of ground where it can find ground, where it can begin to sort of navigate its own, you know, its own authentic authenticity. So we need that ground. Uh, and that pattern, like all other patterns, you know, we don't get rid of them. We just, they tend to transfer. And the story, the theory is, the story is that when the little one has established their own, their own autonomy, they will begin to, by themselves move away and then will come rushing back when they need some help of course <laughs> and the idea is that the the uh, the adult will try to like facilitate that moving away you know not by pushing away but by giving them authority and letting them make mistakes and being there to go through that that process you know they don't say don't be attached to me grow up uh, but you facilitate it 
Mm-hmm. So I think this same pattern can can happen, particularly I guess if people haven't had that that very skillful prolonged parenting, in a way they still seek that orientation through through other people, um, through, through another person. I think that's certainly part of one's makeup. And uh, so that kind of happens to lesser degrees, then it's really up to, well, the understanding has to be, you know, yeah, and yet, you know, you've got to take in, um, so not just the mirror image of the other person, begin to establish an emotional image of yourself, not a picture of yourself, but a sense of, when I say an emotional image, I mean like a sense of presence. Mm. innate authentic presence which you can't really find a picture for absolutely not they're being accurate but a sense of innate presence you know it stands up on its own and so we want to support that and so all the skills required are like you know care is needed attention is needed and yet it always has to be handed over to the other, to your decision, up to you, you know, you can do it. It's like, you know, so mirroring, trying to mirror presence. Uh, if, if you, if you, you know, so what I'm saying is a person A feels a person B is overly dependent upon them. It may be the person A is just losing, losing patience. <laughs> Or it may be, yeah. Then they need to, to actually establish their own sense of simple, authentic presence and present that. So then the other person begins perhaps to pick up that mirroring impression. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean we're apart. It means we're in an autonomous relationship rather than dependent one. Because we're not cutting you off. It's just we stand upright on a, on a shared ground. That's the optimum. And fundamentally, of course, as with any other um, proper learning process, the aim is for increased happiness, for increased well-being, for increased security, not for lessening it. And the fact is that co- relationships that are just continual dependency don't allow for that don't allow that more deep sense of stability mm. so how do you encourage it well I say you um, maybe stop answering the questions <laughs> but just uh-huh, I hear that and sounds like yes and what would you do about that and, mm, that sounds difficult and, yeah 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 I get that too just re- you know, resonating. That's Kalyanamita. So Kalyanamita isn't, say, a question answer. They could do, but the primary quality of a, of a Kalyanamita is just a mirror. Mirror back. Be a simple, stable mirror that listens and you know is able to respond empathically. Like, you know, that's that that sounds difficult, or mm, feels like patience might be needed here. You know just tiny suggestions if needed and actually modeling what they're talking about
another person sharing a living situation with someone who mostly acquires what he needs in life through appropriating things that belong to other people often me I find this triggering <laughs> yes sounds like it I understand and appreciate the eco-political aspects of this way of living, but I find myself hardening because it has the feeling of a sense of entitlement, which infuriates me. Am I just being ungenerous? Should I see it as an opportunity to practice generosity or something else? Well, I mean, in any relationship, there's got to be two people, not one. So, you know, if there's too much of me in it, it doesn't work. If there's too much of you in it, it doesn't work. <laughs> the we happens through both eyes, you know, finding common ground. So sometimes it'd be the case that one continually just gives to the other person without attending to your own subjective uh, senses, however suspect they may be, <laughs> or don't feel entirely... You know, I don't feel like I'm coming from a totally pure place. I'm a bit annoyed at the moment. Um, but even that has to be stated. Not, you annoyed me, but I'm feeling a little bit difficult about this. I'm feeling some difficulty here. Let's see what the response is. And the response is, oh, well, get over it. Then, uh -huh. I don't think you've actually heard what I'm saying. I find it difficult because of, of what I'm hearing from you. <laughs> <laughs> so one has to kind of uh, make a point of you know not that I am this and you are that but the relationship is not in harmony the other person might not even feel they're not in harmony I'm, having, I'm fine I'm really comfortable you know, it's fine with me I mean yeah I'm okay and they don't even realise they're causing a problem so you have to sort of say well actually um, I think I need to tell you that there is a problem here I'm finding it difficult yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, and so naturally, the f whenever this sense of differentiation occurs, there's a sort of, oh, well, you know, there's a reaction start. Like, it's not my fault, or you should do, you know, the reactivity. So you get a little bit of reactivity occurs at first. Like, well, I'm doing the best I can. I, you know, okay, you know, that stuff happens. Or, well, you know, I gave you this last, you know, yeah, I always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let that stuff blow through. Uh -huh, uh -huh, you know, I'm hearing what you're saying and I hear you, you know, you have your struggles and conflicts too and I'm glad that's on the table and now this is my bit that's on the table out of those pieces let's get together and sort this out a mutual advantage and it's not just about bandages it's about can we grow you know it's not like it should never go wrong it should never, nothing should ever go wrong. Otherwise, we did fail. No, what do you mean? Nothing should ever go wrong. Conflict is normal. It's, it's working through it. That's the important piece. I mean, if there's no conflict, something must have died. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere. <laughs> Bit of edge. <laughs> otherwise, just, other person's dead. <laughs> so. Just let's find out what it is, you know. And then maybe rather than just, oh, whose fault is it? And blame and 
shrink and try to become exactly what the other person wants. No, no, let's see how how we can grow through this and we'll actually be grander, um, larger, more spacious, more learned and rich through that. And really, you know, if if that's not available, then one should really start to consider, is this something you want to share time with? How much, to what extent? Does Because uh, we like to keep growing, wouldn't we? And really the most important thing we learn from is other people. It's our primary book. So if we can't somehow learn from others to adjust or understand, kind of what's the point? So in practices, wisdom and compassion. Remember, it's always, I think, you've got to realize that the first experiences that arise when any kind of dissonance occurs is reactivity. Whose fault is it? We've got to get over it. I shouldn't be this way. You shouldn't be that. And the reactivity is kind of sparky, flustery stuff. It's just, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just right, 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 right. <laughs> and can, okay, can we get past this through no blaming, you know, no, no tribunal, because people fear the tribunal, no exclusion, not excluded, not excluded, no tribunal, that kind of possibility of growth and fruition, and no loss of love. Which is the big thing, see, is of course, you know, the way that, um, whatever you mean by love, that sense of empathy is so precious to us. And the basic um, form of punishment is to withdraw it. So love is something you have to win or good, be deserve or be good for. So it becomes a kind of reward. And if you don't behave, I'll withdraw it. Either by direct blame or just going cold. That's that's quite a, a stupid system, really. That's what establishes people dumbing down their authenticity because of the fear of losing empathy and love. And really, you know, love shouldn't be a reward. It should be the basic medium. And say, you know, and this is actually these qualities that are manifesting a relationship actually blocking some of the full transmission of that I'm not withdrawing it but just if you're closing down you can't receive it yeah. it's the rub is not a reward it's a, it's a, it's the medium of the open heart okay how does one stay open and calm with fear of new intimacy when so much is unknown. How does one stay open and calm with fear of new intimacy when so much is unknown? I think you have to get used to fear. Um, the unknown is, there's a certain tremble that occurs at any unknown. And actually, if you're really living with a good degree of authenticity, most everything is unknown. Everything is just could be. Since it's like that, I think it's okay. 
It's guesswork, really. So does that, am I going to get it right or am I going to get it wrong? Um, so I, I experience, I say terror, but certainly a nervous resonance, generally on the first meeting people. And I'm frightened of it, but just a sense of, well, how is this going to go? And then just moving gently, moving gently and acknowledging that and not rushing in like, hey, great to see you. Just, <laughs> you know, maybe it is, but let's just move through these these natural boundaries that the chitta establishes because then respecting sensitivity. You know, I, I don't actually know where you're at right now. It might not be appropriate for me to come up close. Hmm? Might not be, you might not be ready yet. So let's just stay at that edge and start the negotiation the way people do. So looking out, feeling, sensing, and then see how it goes. Maybe sometimes it goes in for a while or it doesn't, and that's part of the mystery. So, you know, if, if it were all known, there'd be no mystery. If we're all known, there'd be no discovery. If we're all known, there'd be no growth. If it were all known, there'd be no openness. Openness is always to the unknown. And that's what openness means. Otherwise, it's closed. It's all figured out already, isn't it? So we maintain that openness by having innate stability. Right? I don't know about you and what's happening, but I do know I'm here. And I know that I'm interested i know that i'm slightly nervous i'm aware of that and staying with that and just gently opening and how's that you know so that give the whole picture first of all and, and see how it goes from there so you don't lose yourself in another person and this is a habit or a tendency that occurs with people they want to throw themselves into the other person as they're somewhere comfortable to go <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling bad. I want to jump into you because <laughs> you look nice and warm and comfortable. <laughs> Better than me anyway. And that feeling that you know, that's not really that's not really suitable because you know, that's too much of me, you know. It's it's not it's not appropriate. And so you know the warm feeling that can arise, that warm flush that one often gets. Oh, okay. Feeling that. Uh-huh. Opening to that. But be aware of that sort of in, a habit or instinct to just jump in to somebody. Because mm. mm. it means often you overshoot some of the subtle processes that are much more authentic and stabilizing throw yourself into somebody like you would is soon later you get thrown out of somebody <laughs> so you should always keep a good portion of your presence right here and you open from there and feel that flush of emotion as it rises and, oh that's nice okay very respectful that's the way I would recommend. Someone's asking me about the innate 
truth of the inclusivity of a cosmos to which we are participants or in which we are participants from which our energies and our whatever intelligence is a, is a participant can you say something about the relationship to the I and the we well it's a respect of subjectivity that which we see as an object is really in its own terms it's a subject that beetle or that tree is in itself a, a subjective manifestation of a, of a wholeness and the wholeness itself can never be completely <laughs> manifested as an object because there's always a subject right, who's aware of it or noticing it so that subject is part of it if it's a holistic field there's nowhere to step outside it to scrutinise it right if it encompasses everything how do you get out of it to look at it mm. you know, so the Buddha's recognition was kind of aware within the cosmos of how it subsides how the energies of it calm and subside and it begins to disperse or release mm. the Buddha awakened within the world as it is okay so so in this holistic paradigm there's certainly an experience called I a subjective location from that perspective we see things out there that are not I and we start off thinking they're called you or it which is reasonable for language but that particular though the term is just language it's, it's, unfortunately it's not just language because it implies a certain they're not also subjects they're clearly objects in my consciousness in my awareness yeah. so that means I am the centre of it they're objects in my reality but with respect we at least bear in mind that those creatures people trees animals and so forth are also subjects and they experience things from their angle their attitude and so in fact there are no objects <laughs> ultimately there are subjects and we have the tendency to objectify we objectify for particular strategic purposes that's an action that we do we objectify it's called papancha that out there and I'm separate from it that's an occurrence that happens but in actuality and you can find that certainly with another person they're not the object of my consciousness they're not that shadow image I retain they are that's a subject this is a subject therefore it has to be we doesn't it so the word we simple word but it implies mutuality and that the important thing is not what I want or what the other one wants but how do the two harmonize which means you know it affects my behaviors and attitudes if I seek harmony the we sense because in the, in the we sense there's distinct possibilities for my subjectivity to moderate rather than becoming arrogant dominant 
conceited, for example, or over-responsive and overburdened, it starts to moderate when there's a sense of that also is intelligent. Ah, now I can relax that, let go of that. And I, I moderate that, I respect that. So it definitely changes the form of my subjectivity. The subjectivity is moderated by intelligent other. And we do that ideally with other humans, right? And uh, particularly in community, fundamental unit of human life is not one, but two, however near or far that may be. Uh, and of course, the creaturely world. And so certainly a lot of these early recluses will be living on their own with other humans around, but then their relation, relational field contains the creaturely world in which they live. Mm. Right, something like that. Or the energetic sphere in which they, they tend to what arises within the energetic domain. And it's presented in suttas. person felt a bit lost when I was speaking about the jitta becoming refined and the relationship then to the sense world. What is the relationship of the refined jitta, heart, awareness, to the sense world? Um, I think dispassion is one simple word. Mm. Not excited, not rejected, not depressed. The sense world is this way. Dispassionate, equanimous, mm. seeing it as a presentation of experience, one way in which experience presents itself through the sense fields. Not the only way, not the best way, not the worst way, but one way it presents itself through the sense, through the sense consciousness. And uh, so a sense of dispassion. And what you find, or what you encourage to find as a contemplative, is the signs, called the nimitas. If you like, these are the very, what I've talked about, these impressions or images or senses that become internalized by the sense world. These are called nimitta, signs. You look at the wall, you've got some photographs of your family. What's the sign? The sign is family, warm, familiar. Right? My people. Could be that. Um, and you pick up the meaning of it. What is the emotional imprint that's being created through that sense object? Now, so some of them might be to do with anger, lust, um, fear, limiters, see something or somebody or a situation you feel frightened, you see people in uniforms with guns, you feel a fear limiter, understandable. Um, tones of voice can bring up a fear limiter. So you notice these, you know, this is this is what the chitta is being moved by, these, these signs, and they, they become learned and acquired. And then we, then we start to actually project them out. As I was saying the other day, you know, 
Hitler had a Junimeter, and a Junimeter in his Junimeter was some kind of incredibly depraved, degenerate vampire who was sucking the lifeblood out of the Aryan people. You know, that was his Nimeter. <laughs> and then he'd project that out onto anybody, you know, who, who felt had a certain amount of Jewish history, um, genealogy in them. Crazy, no? But yeah, you know, people do this all pretty commonly, stereotypes, racial stereotypes, gender stereotypes, national stereotypes, political stereotypes, you know, and we get these limiters and see how many of them are actually ones that support your own well-being, and how many of them are supporting your, your closure, obsession, unskillfulness. So you should contemplate the sense world and look at the signs that's being presented. And look at those signs with a sense of, okay, that's that. That's dispassionate. You have a Buddha image, for example. That becomes imprinted as to give you a sign of dignity, trust, self-respect, wisdom, compassion. Very good. And you can retain that, use that image and look at that and that impression will come back. That's why we do puja, chanting and so forth, to, to internalize that, that aspect. And it's better having that than the stuff you see on television, I would conjecture. So your sense is with the sense world, you don't just grab anything. You're quite careful about what you pick up your signs from. And you find sensory phenomena that give you the right signs that support your well-being clarity and you know where the decoys are and how to see them for what they are you know the comfort the convenience the, the false promises the big smiles with the false promises you know having that one <laughs> Some person notices when they're afraid there was constriction of the energy body. Would you say the chitta becomes constricted or is it the chitta witness and investigates the energy state? My experience seems to be a balancing of the chitta, but not a great change in the constriction over the course of the meditation. Um, well, if the constriction occurs, fundamentally, you know, you've got two potentials. One is to investigate what's happening in the bodily domain, widen your attention over the entire body, including the space around you, and breathing in and breath through the entirety of that, and keep relaxing the mental definitions of the experience. Just be sympathetic to the energetic process. It does what it does. And if you keep widening your attention while you're staying established, upright, established, there should be a point where you find uh, you found a ground. I mean, if energy can touch the ground, it will begin to release a little, to some degree, should do. Now, so remember, though the jitta is very much um, like the body itself, is very much shaped to move by energy. Chitta is actually uh, 
also one whose main aspect is just the clear seeing it can witness its own energies so I don't want to get too embedded in energies they're useful to heal but it can be jitter gets caught in in difficult energies so if you can't manage an energy the best thing is to withdraw to just sheer attention pure pure awareness or even deciding move around maintaining awareness of the of how your energy changes when you move so you can do something of that nature okay we'll stop there for now